listening to a podcast from GravityChurch.com, Lodi, California. We've talked over the last several weeks about how sin came into that perfection and ruined everything. How one choice of rebellion against God's law and against God's heart affects all of us to this very day. If I were to have you raise your hand and say, how many of you have suffered pain in your life? You would all put your hands up. If I were to say, how many of you have witnessed abuse in your life? You would all say, yeah. How many of you have been through a divorce or have been through a sickness or a disease? How many of you feel anger inside your heart right now or bitterness or resentment? Every one of us in this room can relate to all of these things that are all byproducts of sin. In the very beginning, it wasn't like that. In the very beginning, it was perfect. And God says, I want nothing more than just for you and I to be together in this perfect state and for us to have this relationship that is completely uninterrupted by any outside force. But it's a sad story and there's a tragic ending. And as a, as a matter of fact, the ending of that, that, that moment of perfection was short-lived and you and I lost our home because of sin. God and us were separated. In essence, a father lost his children and children lost their daddy. And you and I have wandered through this world wanting to go home ever since. You and I have wandered through this world looking for our father, wanting to know where we come from and where we call home. Many of us call this world our home because it's all we know, but deep down inside we know there's got to be something else because this world sucks. This world is hard. This world is temporary. This world is riddled with all kinds of things that when we look at, we go, that's not right. It's, it's not, it's not, can't be all that there is. And we've learned through scripture that there is more to the story than just this world that we see. We've learned that there is a day coming when Christ will return to this earth. And when he comes back with his return, he will bring justice. When he comes back, us who have been lost and separated from our Father will finally be able to see him face to face. Those of us that long for that permanent home will finally be able to experience it in all of its fulfillness and all of its totality. We can't wait. We can't wait. But when Jesus came to this earth, he came with a very strategic and very specific reason at heart and for why he was here. He knew that in order for us to truly experience that relationship that we had in the beginning, there had to be a change in the dynamic of this world because this world had been overtaken with darkness and light had to come back into play. And so Jesus came and he brought light into the world. And he had one thing on his mind when he came to this earth and lived for 33 or so years And that one thing that was the centerpiece of his agenda for being here, that one thing that was the main reason for him to be on this world was to establish and release the power of the gospel of Jesus. To release the power of the life-changing gospel that forever marks us and changes us. And I want to read to you a few short passages tonight that tell of the last moments of Jesus while he was here on the earth. The very last words that were uttered by Jesus. In Matthew chapter 28 and verse 16, it says, Then the eleven disciples left for Galilee, going to the mountain 
where Jesus had instructed them to go. When they saw Jesus, they worshipped him, but some of them still doubted. Jesus came and he told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, I want you to go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands that I have given to you and be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. You see, with this one final statement, this one final conversation, Jesus entrusts the gospel to you and me as his followers, as his disciples. Jesus entrusted us to carry the gospel message. If we turn over a few pages into the book of Acts, in the very first book, there's an encounter here where Jesus is getting ready to speak to his disciples once again in a little different conversation. And it says right here in verse four, do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift that he has promised. As I told you before, John baptized with water, but in just a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So when the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking him, Lord, has the time come for you to free up Israel and restore our kingdom here on earth? But Jesus replied, the Father alone has the authority to set those dates and those times, and they are not for you to know. This is very important. Listen to these words. Jesus says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere, first in your hometown of Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and even to the ends of the earth. And after saying this, Jesus was taken up into a cloud while they were watching, and they could no longer see him. And as they strained their eyes to see him rising up into the heavens, two robed men suddenly stood among them, and they said, men of Galilee, why are you standing here staring into heaven? Jesus has been taken from you into heaven, but someday he will return from heaven in the same way that you saw him go. Jesus says in this brief encounter, this final moment with his followers, he says, there is something that is about to take place in your life that is going to change everything. There is something that is going to take place in your life that is going to cause you to receive power, that is going to cause you to be able to do and say and experience and live and become all that I have promised that you would become. You and I know that throughout all of the stories that we've been reading and analyzing, that these guys are jacked up. These guys don't believe. These guys are continually questioning Jesus. They're continually going, I don't know if this is really the truth. I don't understand the whole, this whole thing. They don't get it. They completely don't get it. And Jesus says to him in his final words, guys, get ready because something's about to happen. And he tells him, I want you to go and I want you to wait and when you it's going to happen. This, this promise that I have given you is going to take place. And in the very next passage in the book of Acts, it says in verse 1, On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. And suddenly there was a sound from heaven 
like the roaring of a mighty windstorm. And it filled the house where they were sitting. And then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on top of each of them. And everyone that was present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages or tongues as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. This story right here that you and I read is the kind of story that is so monumental and is so life-changing that these guys have a before and after experience. Before they went into this room to wait for this moment, to wait for this promise, to wait for this encounter with the Holy Spirit, they were full of doubt. They were full of, of, of skepticism. They were full of wondering whether or not they could truly do the things that Jesus said that they would do. A few weeks ago, you and I read a scripture in the book of 2 Corinthians, and it says, we now have this light shining in our hearts, but we ourselves are like fragile clay jars containing this great treasure. This makes it clear that our power is from God and not from ourselves. We began to talk about the treasure of the gospel of Jesus. And how in this passage in Corinthians, Jesus, through the apostle Paul, says that, they, that God has put this treasure of the gospel within us. And he uses the analogy that we're like jars that are made of clay. Very soft, very fragile, very easily manipulated, very easily cracked and broken. And yet this great treasure, the most amazing, valuable treasure known to mankind has been put inside of us, entrusted to us. And many of us, if we're honest, we look at ourselves and we think, how can something so monumental, something so valuable, something so great be put inside of something like me? Be put inside of something that I am so aware of my fragileness, something inside of me that I don't know if I've got what it takes. My friends, when we read this story in the book of Acts and we see this encounter between God and the Holy Spirit on mere men, we see a life-changing situation on our hands. And the Bible literally says that when the power of the Holy Spirit comes, it takes our ordinary lives that are just made of clay and he empowers us. He fills us with the very essence of God. And when that happens, you and I are no longer mere men and women. We are no longer fragile. We are no longer unable to do what God asks of us to do. We have been given something that changes absolutely everything. This last Wednesday night, we were having a Bible study at Gravity Flow, and we began to look at a passage of Scripture that I want to take you to for a minute in the book of John. And in John chapter 5, and in verse 17 and 19, it says something very profound. Jesus is talking here, and he says, my father is always working, and so am I. 
Jesus says, I tell you the truth. I can do nothing by myself. I only do what I see the Father doing. And whatever the Father does, that's what I also do. The Father loves me and shows me everything that he is doing. In fact, the Father will show me how to do even greater works than the healing of this man. Jesus had just performed an amazing miracle. And in this brief interaction with his followers, he gives us a clue, an insight into his relationship with his Father in heaven. And Jesus begins to unfold for us this amazing concept that at the core of the gospel, at the core of our heart and our soul as messengers of God, at the core is for us to do one simple thing. Learn how to listen for what God is doing and do it. See, you and I have a misconception in our lives many times. You and I, if we're honest, we say things like this. I just want to know what God's will for my life is so that I can go and do that. Many times you and I think in terms of I have something that I'm supposed to do and God's going to help me to do it. It's not a bad way of thinking, really, but it's slightly off. Let me tell you a more accurate way of discerning the will of God for your life. We have read in Scripture that God has been telling a story since the beginning of time. And in this story, God has been unfolding grace and love and mercy. God has been dealing with the sin of mankind. God has been dealing with light and darkness. God has been dealing with all of these things that are huge for you and I to really wrap our minds around and to truly fully comprehend. But at the center of all of it, we know that it's God's story and not ours. It's about him. It's not about me. And so really, at the core of knowing God's will for my life, my thinking should be something like this. God, what are you doing right now? And how can I participate in the process? God, what are you busy doing in Lodi, California right now? And how can I assist the process of what's going on already? See, many times you and I think it's like this. It's like, well, if I'm not following God, well, then God's plan just kind of stops for a little while because I'm not doing anything, so apparently nothing's getting done. Uh-uh. God's plan cannot be stopped by you and I. God's plan does not pause because you and I take a time out. Maybe because of our own shortcomings and sin. Maybe because we're having a pity party. Maybe because we're just really grumpy. I don't know, but there's a lot of reasons why you and I step out for a second. But when Jesus is talking here, he says, I only do what my Father is doing. I only say the things that I hear my Father saying. In other words, there is a story being told, and there is a plan unfolding and God is at the center of it and God is the author of it and God is the one that is orchestrating it and you and I we are the characters of the story we play a part in the role we make up the plots and the twists and the turns but at the center of it all it's all about God 
And so as we see this amazing, this amazing dynamic of God saying, I am going to put the gospel inside of your heart, and I am going to put you on display for the world to see, and everywhere you go, you will be my messengers. I will give you the power that you need. I will give you the boldness that you need. I will give you the tools that you need. Everywhere you go, people will see me in you. The way that that happens is when we understand that when the Holy Spirit becomes to come alive inside of us, he puts himself on display through our broken lives. He puts himself on full view for the world to see in spite of our shame, in spite of our sin, in spite of our brokenness. Jesus puts himself on display and he shines. You know, as we read this story tonight, we realize that Jesus was truly modeling what it is to know the will of God. We see that Jesus was truly modeling that to know the will of God means to listen and to look and to be aware of what God is doing. Jesus absolutely nothing without the direction of his Father, without truly knowing what his Father was desiring and, and doing. And tonight, God is still in the same place, wanting for you and I to know and to listen and to look. And what it really means and what it really comes down to is this simple word of surrender. God still desires for you and I to surrender our lives to him. Every single moment, every single day, God is whispering to you and to me, let me have you. Let me have you. I don't care how broken you have become. I don't care about your addiction. I don't care about your history. I want it all. Let me have you. And I will fix what has been damaged. And I will love where there has been hurt. And I will put back together the things that this world has torn apart. Just let me have you. In just a few moments, we're going to be going downstairs. And there are people in this room tonight that have felt the love of Jesus, that have opened their heart up to this amazing salvation of God and have said to God with their words and with their hearts, Jesus, you can have me. And in Scripture, there's, there's a ritual that has been going on since Jesus walked the earth. And this ritual is a public event. It's a public moment for lots of people to see. And this ritual is called water baptism. And it literally is when a person says to the world all around them, I want the world to know that I belong to Jesus. I want to identify and I want to declare through baptism tonight that I belong to Jesus. It's not a magic formula. It's not something that you can go into this situation and say, you know, I'm going to try to get something from God by doing this. No. This is an act of obedience. This is an act of saying, Jesus, I want to follow your example. Because you guys know that in the scripture, Jesus 
was baptized in water. One of the very first accounts of Jesus interacting with John the Baptist, he comes down to the Jordan River and he says, John, I need you to baptize me. And John says, I can't baptize you. You should baptize me. You're the real deal. You're the one that we've looked for. And Jesus says, no, I have to do this so that the prophecies could be fulfilled. And Jesus set a precedent for you and I to follow when he went down into that dirty Jordan River and he came up. And the account in the scripture says that when Jesus came up out of the water, everyone that was present heard the voice of God. And the voice of God said out loud, this is my son and I am completely pleased with him. The Bible says that there was literally a dove, a bird that flew down from heaven and landed on Jesus. And the Bible says that it was symbolic of the Holy Spirit coming down and resting on Jesus. And when Jesus did this, he set an example for you and I to follow. And tonight, as these people give themselves to this, this, this act of obedience and they go in waters of baptism, I believe with all of my heart that if they listen, they too will hear the voice of God speak. That they too will hear God speak to them. I am fully pleased with you. And I do believe that the Holy Spirit will encounter these people tonight in a newer dimension. I have seen people come up out of the waters of baptism and I have seen people get healed before of sicknesses. I have seen people get baptized in the Holy Spirit and experience a dimension of God that they've never experienced before. And tonight, when you go into that water, expect an encounter with God. There's nothing magical about this water, not holy water. It's just swimming pool with some tap water. It's nothing hocus pocus. But my friends, anything that we offer to God in faith becomes powerful. It becomes a connection between God and man. And that's what we desire tonight. And so tonight, you are declaring something through baptism. You are saying, I belong to Jesus. Let's pray. God, tonight, we thank you so much for the way that you are gentle with us. God, we thank you that Sometimes we make our life harder than it needs to be. And somehow, some way, you come into the midst of our chaos and you bring clarity and sanity and you speak peace to our storms. And Jesus, you calm us and you give us courage and you let us know who you are and where you're at. And God, tonight, I pray for every person in this room that God, if they are fighting that inner chaos or that inner turmoil and they need your peace that I pray, oh God, that you would grant it. Jesus, I pray for every person here that has never experienced the mercy and the grace of God, that Lord, right now you would invade their space, that you would get close to them and that you would let them feel you and you would let them know that you are not only near, but you are available to them and you want them, and you long for them. And Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit would draw them close to your heart tonight, and I pray that by a miracle of God that you would save them tonight, Jesus. Open their hearts, and let salvation visit this place tonight. Jesus, we love you. We choose to follow after you, and we choose to give you all that we are. Take us. 
Amen. You've been listening to gravitychurch.com. 